Well, this is fantastic. I was not expecting everything that is going on here tonight. I just really didn't. It's good to see everybody from uh, Forest Hill. It's good to see Kathy, too. We used to work together at the library. And uh, so it's, it's just good to be here, to see familiar faces, some of which I don't recognize because they've grown too much. But uh, it's just really a great opportunity. And um, so tonight we're going to be talking about <clears throat> training to be champions. <coughs> Excuse me. And we will be looking at Daniel as uh, an example uh, to do that. When you think of a champion, what do you think about? And we're going to be talking, as you will, this summer about training to be champions and all of us striving to be champions. But when you think about a sport, when you, whether it's NASCAR, basketball, uh, baseball, whatever it is, how many champions are there in, say, NASCAR? One. How many champions are there in the World Series? One, right? There's only one champion. Well... And then everybody wants to be like that champion, don't, don't, don't they? About a couple of decades ago now, there was a song, Everybody Wants to Be Like Mike. What Mike were they talking about? Michael Jordan. So everybody wants to be like Mike. And that's the way it is religiously. Jesus is our champion, and what we want to do is be like him. Because he's the only perfect example he knew no sin, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 tells us. However, all of us have sinned, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. And the wages of sin is death, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. So, Christ is our champion, and we need to be like Him. Jesus trained to be a champion. He didn't come out of the gate a champion. And champions don't work that way. They have to work. They have obstacles that they must overcome in order for them to be a champion. You have to conquer something. And Jesus certainly did that. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 52, we learn that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And we see there in, in Luke chapter 2 how he neglected something. He didn't tell his family where he was. And if that were the case with any of us, I think we would be pretty upset with our young uh, child who did that. But he was as wise as a 12-year-old could be, certainly. And he continued to grow. And he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. And so he had to overcome some things. We see that in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with much crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. And a passage that I'd like for us to kind of key on is verses 8 and 9 of Hebrews chapter 5. And that is, though he were a son... Yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Every word in those verses are very key. They're key to the study. And they're really key to our lives as Christians. And so, I wish we had the time just to examine that passage. But of course we don't. But notice what it says here. Though he were a son, so he became a son... He learned obedience. By doing so, he became the author of eternal salvation to all those that obey him. What made Jesus a champion? It was his sonship that made him a champion. 
So how did Jesus become a son? Notice, just to show that, to prove it, listen to the words, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect. A champion is perfect. Jesus is perfect. He's our champion. How did he get to be a son? How was he the son of God? Well, somebody say, well, he's always been the son of God. And certainly that is the case in a sense. In eternity past, it was planned that he would be the son of God. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 23, the Bible says that God came together. We have the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God that brought Christ to the cross and enabled him to be the son of God. And then some might say, well, in the Old Testament, you have Jesus Christ, the son of God, prophetically. We have over 300 prophecies of Jesus and the church in the Old Testament. So he is the son of God prophetically, and certainly he is that. Now, he is the son of God presently. He is the son of God. And he always will be the Son of God. For if there's ever a time that he is not the Son of God, then we cannot be children of God because he is our brother. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. But when did he become the Son of God according to Scripture? Peter talks about that in Acts chapter 13. He tells us when that occurred. As he's preaching here in verse 33, it says... God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children, and that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Which day was it that Jesus was uh, begotten? That it says in Psalm 2 and verse 7. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5 and following also mentions this. What day was it? It was the day that he was raised from the dead. After he had gone to the cross, after he had died, after he was buried, after he was raised from the dead, the day that he was raised from the dead, that first day of the week, Peter tells us, this day have I begotten thee. What's the significance of that? That was the day that his obedience was complete. He had completely obeyed God. That's why we read in the verse that we've just discussed, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all those that obey him. So Jesus became the Son of God whenever he, was, he died, was buried, and was raised. Now then, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and following, the Bible says, Let this mind be in you, <coughs> excuse me, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself to death, even the death of the cross. So we are to have that same mindset. And we find in Romans chapter 6 it is, how we are to be like Him. Here it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who are baptized were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death? We are therefore buried with Him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united 
with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. I was kind of mixing the English Standard Version and the KJV, so if you were following me and wondering what I was saying, um, both of those translations get mixed in my head sometimes. But notice, we are to be like him. We're We're to be baptized in a death like his, so that we can be raised and united with Him in a resurrection like His, so we can be saved. This is the beginning of our training to be a champion. We've got to be obedient to Christ. If you want to be a champion, we have to be like Christ. Christ led our, the way through His death, burial, and resurrection. We must mirror that if we want to train to be a champion. That's the point that we want to make. So number one, Jesus Christ is our champion. We want to be like Him, and we can be. So how do we do this? It is through our obedience to the gospel. Many people will say, all you have to do is believe. I'm glad we're on the right side of the tracks here this evening. On the other side of the tracks, whichever direction it is, we've got two denominations. And they will say that way. They will say, you do not have to be baptized immersed in water. I believe the method is sprinkled, don't they? And then the Baptists, the last thing they will do is say that you have to be baptized. Now, I'm not trying to knock them. I'm hoping that there's somebody here tonight that may identify with one of these. But we want to go with what the Bible says, don't we? I was in a class at Bryan College, and our teacher was a Baptist preacher. And he said, I have studied every denomination that there is. I've been a preacher for 30 years, And he had a, I think it was a master's degree in theology. His dad had been a Baptist preacher for so many years. And this is what he said. He said, this is a professor here, a Baptist preacher. He said, every denomination has verses in the Bible that they overlook, that they cut out, so that they can teach their own doctrine. That's coming from a Baptist preacher who is a professor at Bryan College saying that to his classes. Of course, I would agree with that, and I think you would too. But that is where they stand. His response to that was, and that's okay. It's perfectly fine to cut out passages in the Bible if you want to and believe whatever you want to. As long as you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, we're fine. And that was the standpoint that the man had and taught. So when you say that you don't have to be baptized, and there's just... They will argue with you to your face about it. But what does the Bible say? Are we going to cut out the passages that talk about baptism? Like say, for example, if we go to Romans. Now, if you want to be a champion, you're you're not going to do that. You're going to go according to the whole counsel of God. So here's what Galatians chapter 3 says. For we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Well, that's what, let's just stop right there. That's all, as far as we're going to go. We are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Well, let's not cut out the rest of that chapter there. Let's go ahead on and read what it says. It says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There are neither uh, Jew or Greek. There is neither bond or free. There is neither male nor female. For all 
are one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In other words, we will be children of God, just as Christ was the Son of God. We could be children of God through our baptism. And we're not going to cut out those verses. We're going to leave them in there. Belief only is just a doctrine that the Bible doesn't teach. Does the Bible teach we have to believe? Absolutely. In John chapter 1 and verse 12, notice what it says. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. Now, when you believe, are you a son of God? No, you're not. You have the power to become a child of God, but you're not a person of God, a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God, at the point of belief. We have to believe, if we believe not that Jesus is the Son of God, we will die in our sins, John 8 and verse 24, but belief is not enough. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So we do need to believe, but we need to do more than that. Jesus said, Unless ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. So we need to turn from sin. And he said that if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 10, verses 32 and verse 33. And then he tells us we need to be baptized. Those are the things that we need to do to start training to be a champion. If you want to be a champion, if you want to be right in God's sight, you've got to start somewhere. Where are you going to start? By obeying the gospel. Now, I'll review all that. Most of us know this. But isn't it good to hear it again? Don't we want to go over it and over it to have it fresh in our minds so that we can talk to others at the snap of a finger whenever we're ready? So next what I want us to do is talk a little bit about how to stay in the fight, how to stay the course of trying to be a champion, training to be a champion. So first we need to realize any champion knows that there's challenges. And if he's a good champion, he's going to know what those challenges are and he's going to be prepared to face those challenges. Wouldn't you agree? Well, certainly you would. So you have that. And that's what happened with Daniel. And we don't have the time to tell the story of Daniel. I suspect that you do know that story. How that as a young man possibly a teenager, he probably was a teenager, stolen from his home, taken a thousand miles away, made a eunuch, told to eat things that were not appropriate for him to eat according to the law of Moses, and many other things. Tempted to sin, and tempted through the trials and the sufferings that he was having to go through, having been made a eunuch, and having been taken away from his home and his family and put in that location. The temptations that he had were the eating of the meat in chapter 1, and then uh, in chapter 3, you had the people that were supposed to bow down to the image. He's not specifically mentioned in that chapter. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are, but we know that part of it. And then in chapter 6... We have Daniel being encouraged to stop praying to God or he'd be thrown into the lion's den. What'd he do? He went ahead and prayed. He knew the challenge and he took it head on. Let's turn it in and look at ourselves for a moment. Our circumstances and our temptations. What are our circumstances? What are your circumstances? 
One thing is certainly true that everybody in this room has either just come out of a problem, is currently dealing with a problem, or is about to have the problem that they're going to have to deal with. That is the way of life. That is the way it is. I have young people and old people alike nodding their heads. That is the way of it. And you know what? That's the way it's supposed to be. This life is hard. Joel said in Joel chapter 3 and verse 14, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. The day of the Lord in the valley of decision. We are here to make the choice of whether we want to serve God or ourselves. And yes, there will be problems. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7, the Bible says that God's people, Christians, would be tried in the fire. And when we come out like gold, I don't know if you've ever seen gold being smelted, but when it's in the rock, it looks like a rock when you dig it out. And I wouldn't know it was gold if you told it to me. And then what they do is they heat it and they cool it and they put some horrible chemicals in there that would kill a person and they heat it and they cool it all day long. And then finally you get gold. And it's just an interesting process. You can look it up on YouTube sometimes. fascinating. Like I definitely don't want to have that happen to me. But that's really what we have in this life. We have times that are extremely stressful. And though, yes, we may know what to do, But when the emotion is there, what do you do? You do the best that you can. Isn't that what a champion would do? A champion is going to do his best. And someone would say, well, I'm struggling. Best is best. And you do your best. That's all that God wants us to do, is to give it our all. So we do have temptations. Would we have time to talk about all of them? In Hebrews chapter 12, in verses 1 and 2, The Bible says that we are to lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the majesty on high. Not only does the Bible tell us not to sin, but it shows us how not to sin. And that is the beauty of the book. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be ye transformed, or be not conformed into this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So where does it start? In our minds, Proverbs 23 and verse 7 tells us, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. One hundred years ago, there was a man named Allen. James Allen was his name. He was a philosopher. And he wrote a book, As a Man Thinketh. In the book, he had a couple of examples. No doubt you've heard of at least one of them. I'll give them to you. One was a kaleidoscope. When you're a kid, did you ever have a kaleidoscope? Where you have a tube with some pretty things in it, and you put it at the sun, and you turn it, and it looks pretty. And he said, that is the way our minds are. We have thoughts that go through our mind every day. Somebody said it was 40,000 thoughts. I don't know how many it is. And many people will say that it's negative thoughts. Psychologists will call them ants, automatic negative thoughts. They're going to happen to everybody, they say. I never get them, but I don't know about you. (laughs) (laughs) So we have all these thoughts going through our mind like a kaleidoscope. 
And what Mr. Allen said was, what do you put in your kaleidoscope? Those thoughts are whizzing through our mind all the time. What thoughts are we putting in there? Make sure that they are beautiful thoughts. You wouldn't put something ugly in your kaleidoscope. Let's keep our kaleidoscope looking good. So that's one example that he had. Another example that he had was like your, that your mind is like a garden. And you may be more familiar with this one. You have to tend it every day or weeds will grow. So we do have to tend our mind every day. And how can we do that else but by the Word of God? That's really what we're to do. And if we're going to be champions, we have to tend our garden. There are many passages of Scripture that tell us uh, things to do in order to keep from sin. One chapter that I highly recommend is James chapter 1. Take a minute and, and read that and study it to know how to keep from sin. I wish we had the time to discuss it. And then another passage of Scripture that will, you can't, you can't not go to heaven if you do what this passage says. It's in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, where Peter said, Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. And then he says, For if ye do these things, for, for if these things are in you, and abound, they make you that you should neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, knowledge and then action. And then he says, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and has forgotten that God hath purged him from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, take heed. And he said, That ye do these things. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. That's why I say, you can't not get into heaven if you will do this passage of Scripture. So, there you go. Let's focus on, on those things. So then there's commitment. We need to be committed. If we're going to be a champion, and we're going to be tra- training as a champion, we have to be committed. So how do you do that? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5 says, Hear, O Israel, The Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. So what does it mean to love God with your heart, soul, and might? When the Bible talks about heart, it's talking about our mind. As we've been mentioning here, we need to know some things. The psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. In Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, there the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, or standeth in the way of sinners, or sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in it doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters, and his leaf will not wither, and everything that he does will prosper. So we have the Word of God in our hearts, in our mind. And that's where it starts. Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 1.18, Come and let us reason together. Let's use our brain and use the Bible to get the knowledge in our head and think about it. Now there's five senses that we have internally, just like externally. Five senses of our brain. Here they are. Perception, 
reflection, memory, reason, and judgment. And God wants us to use all of those. So perception, you can understand something. Oh, I get it. Perception. Reflection, you have your short-term memory where you can ponder that. You can consider it. Reflection. And then memory. I need to remember this. You remember that, whether it's memorizing a passage or else. Memory, reason, to logically think about it. See, we're using our mind whenever we do that. And finally, judgment. What are we going to do about it? What's the conclusion that we come from these things that we know? So, we're to use our mind. The second thing the passage says there, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, is we're to love God with our soul. And that means our emotions, our passion. We need to be passionate about what we've learned. If you make a judgment about something, you make a decision about something, you become passionate about it. If not, why not? So you make a decision. You say, this is what I'm going to do. And you have passion about that decision. So, what type of verses can we look at regarding this? Remember, David was a man after God's own heart. And 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14 tells us. And think about all of the passionate psalms that he wrote If you want to read one later, you can. Read Psalm 119, verses 17 through 24, or Psalm 23. And then remember what he said in Psalm 69 and verse 9. It was quoted by the apostles of Christ in John chapter 2 and verse 17, where he says, The zeal of the house hath eaten me up. Isn't that wonderful? To take what you know and just allow it to be passionate in you. Go ahead. Allow it to just eat you up. It's okay to do that. Because if you don't have something eating you up, there are plenty of wicked things out here in the world that will. Don't you want to have your body and your mind and your life, your soul, full of passion for God? Or will you just let it slide? Church is good, I go sometimes. What are you going to be filled with then? Something horrible. You know it's going to happen. So go ahead and find passion with the Word of God. That's what we need to do. So we have our heart, we have our soul, our passion. And then it says our might. Our might. I think that's interesting. That is action. That is doing. That is taking something that we learn and we know is right and good and we've made a judgment about it. Now we're passionate about it. It would be utterly foolish to leave it there. We need to continue to act out with our might and do all that we can with what we know to be true and what we're passionate about to carry through with it and to do those things. Now... The next thing that I want to talk about, I wish we had more time to discuss each of these, but it takes a lot to train to be a champion. I can't cover it all in one night. I'm doing my best up here. (laughs) So the next thing that a champion needs to have is courage. A champion has courage. You think of a boxer. You think of Michael Jordan. You think of any particular sports person. What do they say? Bring it on. I'm ready, you know. That's really... You see Michael Jordan go down with his tongue flying out his mouth. He is ready to dunk on somebody, you know. He's going to fly through the air. That's, that's his thing. So that's really what a champion is. Now, why do I say that? Am I just trying to be silly? No. The Bible teaches us in James chapter 1 and verse 2, it says, Count it all 
joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. If I'm picking on Michael Jordan tonight. If you listen to him, he will say, fail, fail, and fail again until you get it right. And that's what the Bible is saying here. Welcome the times that are hard, the struggles that you're going to go through. You will learn from them. While you're in them, it's hard. It's hard. And it may take a while. It may take longer than you anticipate. But strive, and you will learn. Look in your failures for something that you can learn from. That's what a champion does. Nothing is given to a champion. A champion has to work hard for the gold. Michael Jordan had to work hard for those five championships that he he won. Fear is something that must be conquered. And most of the time, what we're afraid of doesn't exist anyway. You're afraid of something that might, could have possibly happened in the future. And it never does. Why? Because it's something you're afraid of and you're not going to allow it to happen. So it really doesn't exist. It certainly doesn't exist in the moment. Now, there are fears that we can be involved in that are actual. But many fears don't even exist. So what is courage? The best definition of courage that I've ever heard is this. Doing the right thing at the right time. Now, you can do the right thing at the wrong time and be a coward. Or you can just do the wrong thing. To give you an example, I know of several people, I'm sure you have too, who were going through a struggle in their life. They were being accused of things that they didn't do. And people didn't stand with them. They didn't help them. And then years later, they come back and they say, you know, you were done really wrong. And those people were bad and I'm on your side. Well, where were you ten years ago when I needed somebody? Coward. Where were you then? What kind of friend are you? You know, that's what goes through our minds sometimes. Are we justified in saying that? That's what goes through our minds. But what is somebody that is brave, somebody that's courageous? They see somebody that's being mistreated, they come right to their side and say, how can I help you? What can we do about this? Now that's somebody that's got bravery. That's an example of doing the right thing at the right time. Now, I'm going to get hard here on these champions. We're going to be a champion. We're going to be our best, right? So don't feel like I'm calling any of us a coward. I'm just trying to define what a brave person is, what is courage. So here's the next thing. When we see a problem, we understand that it is a problem. When we see something, someone that has courage can recognize a problem. You can't fix anything until you see the problem. And in James chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. If we're going to be a champion, we're supposed to be adding to our wisdom. So if we're not, and we can't see the problem, then how can we say we have courage? And if we don't have courage, are we then a coward? If we don't have proper judgment to be able to see the problem? Here's another one. Knowing what to do. And think about someone in a war situation that goes and rescues someone. They have to see the problem. We call the person brave that sees the problem, goes into the battle and saves someone's life. They have to know what to do. We are to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to know what to do. If we don't, how can we say we're brave? Are we a coward? We don't know what to do. 
And then we need to be ready to act. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13 talks about the soldier being ready. And then finally, jump into action. Read the life of Daniel and see that he never wasted any time. He was ready to act and he jumped in. That's the way a champion is. A champion is ready to do the right thing. He's going to do it at the right time. He can see the problem. He knows what to do and he's going to do it right now. That's a champion. And that's the way we need to be. Are we that way? I'm not. But I'm going to do my best to be that way. And I think we all can agree with that. A couple of quick little points before we conclude that I want to just mention. One is communication. If we have the courage and we have the knowledge, we need to communicate. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 35, when Philip saw the Ethiopian eunuch, he went to him and the Bible says he opened his mouth. That's what we need to do. We need to have the courage to open our mouth knowing that when we have the courage, we see a problem and we know how to fix it. Now we just need to do it. What do we need to do? Open our mouth and communicate. That is the only way anyone is ever going to become a Christian. Because in Matthew chapter 28, the Bible says, Go ye therefore and use your mouth to teach things. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So, we must open our mouth. People that don't talk concern me. Because I think of passages like Proverbs 15.2 and Proverbs 17.28, which says a fool doesn't talk because he's afraid. People are going to know he's a fool. So if somebody never talks, I think, is this person a fool? Please say something so I know you're not a fool. So please talk and use your mouth. Be brave. Talk to people. You are the wisest people in this community. I have no doubt about that. And you know more about the Bible than anybody in this community. And we just need to make sure that we're doing what God wants us to do. Daniel continued to be a champion all throughout his life. He was in Babylonian captivity for over 70 years. He was taken there, and then he even saw Cyrus, King Cyrus, who brought the children of Judah, the Judah, the Jews, back to their homeland. So he continued in his fight to be a faithful champion. And finally, when we do, and we strive into the end, Jesus said strive to enter in at the straight gate in Luke 13, 14, or 24. When we do, we'll receive the crown of life. And that's what our objective is. What about you tonight? Are you striving to be a champion? Are you doing your best? Are you courageous? Are you trying to be brave? Trying to grow with knowledge and in wisdom to be able to save people from hell, ourselves from hell, improve our corner of the world as best we can, live in the example that we need to have? Are you doing that? And then tonight... Have you been baptized? Are you a child of God? Have you begun your journey of being training to be a champion? If you haven't, we don't want you to be a coward. We want you to act and do what God wants us to do. Specifically, we are to hear the gospel, Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Then we must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God or we will die in our sins, John 8, 24. Then we need to repent of our sins, 
or we will just perish. Luke 13, 3. We need to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. For with the mouth, <clears throat> with the heart, one believes into righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. Romans 10, 10. And finally, baptism puts us into Christ where our sins are washed away. Acts 22 in verse 16. If you have need of the Savior's invitation for any of these reasons, please come to the front while we stand and sing.